Alright, take three. Uh, hey everybody, this is Tyler Murphy, and this is the Lenny and Tyler Show. Daniel Keyes and I are just driving down the road on our way to Kalispell to paint for the next couple days. We were recording for uh, the last ten minutes and then looked at the phone and realized it had stopped recording, so we're trying this again. So, um, I just thought that we would record something today since... Uh, I don't know if I if I I won't be back till next week. So um, there was one listener, our friend Sarah, who I guess commented to Lenny that hey, we weren't living up to our promise to record once a week. So um, thought we'd try to get something out there real quick, even though Lenny's not a part of it, um, and we don't have a Jaxi minute either. Sorry, guys, but. Um, So Daniel is here with me, and he and I, in the last several weeks, have been talking a lot about different terms that we come across, um, different ideas within Christianity that has it's really helped me to um, have Daniel's input on concepts like Christian grace and hope and faith and love. And all you know, all the all the really simple things in life. So today, I thought maybe we'd cover a few of those. So Dan and I were talking maybe a month ago about this area in in the New Testament where Paul is writing about how he was suffering and would and prayed to God for him to take. Um, this thorn from his side um, I think three times and that God's reply is Paul my grace is sufficient so um, now Daniel's been trying to look up and find the exact passage is that what you've been trying no okay never mind we're looking up something I'm driving right now Daniel is I don't know what he's doing on his phone I'm checking my Instagram (laughs) okay no I'm uh I'm going to a uh, scripture. Okay. I'm actually... And we're still recording. Yeah. Is it working? Yeah. Wait. Let me see. So, I think we were recording, and then and then my phone would... The screen would rotate on it, and then it stopped recording for some reason in this app. So, this is now the third time Oops, not that we've gotten this far into the episode. And Daniel was on a roll. He was doing a great, great job already, and now we got to try again. So, Second so, Corinthians nine, verse eight says, "And God is able to make all grace come to you in abundance, so that you may always and under all circumstances, and whatever the need, be self-sufficient." Um, possessing enough to require no aid or support and furnished in abundance for every good work and charitable donation. Um, so, the the grace of God is not just His mercy or... I think people read that about Paul's experience and what God answers him as sort of a soothing, like, oh, they're there, just hold on, or just endure... But he went to God three times, and it was the same answer each time. And I believe on the third time, it finally clicked. 
and God was saying, my grace, you're not depending upon the grace that has been furnished you, like it says in 2 Corinthians. And so there's a lack of power in order to overcome whatever it is uh, that was that was ailing him or that was uh, set itself up against him and his work. And so perhaps that was his moment of, of having a deeper understanding of what the grace of God is. It's not just mercy for sinners, but it is a, a, uh, a power, uh, an ability, God's ability to work through a person. And I think that goes along with, you know, we would use the term today, or you might hear people use that term today, like they've been graced to do something. And when someone says that in reference to another person, what they mean is they are doing something very difficult as though they have ease when they do it. So it seems as though they've been divinely enabled. And that's that's what I hear uh, when I hear the word grace, that divine enablement to do something that the divine, you know, uh, really has has authored for your life. And so I relate that to the things that I choose to do or spend my time doing or pursuing rather long term. Am I doing what I'm graced? to do because if not I'm going to be going to God like God I'm suffering you know mm-hmm. things are not going well for me um, am I am I doing that thing that my life has been graced for and I think that's what we were talking yeah. about a bit yeah well and it I remember early on uh, on a trip with you um, and I brought this up when we were talking I think that first time I do remember you talking about and putting a lot of emphasis on the idea of being anointed to do something uh-huh. to be artists uh-huh. and you were kind of saying that to I think on that one of that first trips it was myself and three or four other artists and we were driving through Yellowstone and you were kind of insisting upon this point and then also in this conversation a month ago you kind of talked about this experience that you had of your father I think saying Dan I think I believe that you were anointed um, to be an artist at an early age and then how that has helped you remembering that and holding on to that has helped you in times when you're sitting in front of a room full of a hundred people or more and are expected to be the authority on painting and uh-huh. and what this whole art thing looks like through your life. And that in times of being really anxious and nervous, that you've been able to rely on that tr- and trust in that anointing, I guess. Yeah. It, 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 and I don't know that I'm putting that correctly. No, 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 you are. I mean, it's, I guess I should explain a little bit because there's this idea of, I mean, that's not a word that we throw around in modern vernacular, everyday kind of culture, unless you grew up in a Christian home and this idea of, you know, anointed or anointing. The anointing is, um, 
Bible, the Old Testament calls the anointing, burden removing, yoke destroying power. Oh wow! That's another thing that uh, is not modern terms. Hmm. Like, what's a yoke? Well, the yoke is the part of uh, that you put around the neck of the ox or the animal that when you're going to plow a field. Uh, but it's that thing that binds yeah. or that thing. And so the anointing was always represented by fat. And so you'll read in Old Testament like things about the fat. <laughs> you know, like what the heck is that talking about? Well, that's where we get oil from, the fat of animals. And so you put oil, it would be as though oil were on the neck of that animal. And so the yoke would slide off. Okay. So essentially, this anointing is burden-removing, yoke-destroying power. It removes obstacles. It clears a way, or it clears a path. And when you look at Old Testament uh, stories, I love, I think of Esther or, or Daniel or, or you know others, and they did what they were called to do, and it allowed for a path to be cleared for these promises that God spoke out to be fulfilled, you know, eventually leading up to, to Jesus. But in today, like for, for our lives as individuals, I believe God gives all of us a general grace, you know, we're saved by grace. I mean, we're, yeah, we're saved by grace through faith. So it's, it, it's a mercy for everybody. It's a loving kindness for everybody. It's, it's God expressing favor to everyone who would receive it. But then there are these, I believe, individual graces, individual assignments, callings, whatever you want to call it. And with that calling is also equipment. God God doesn't just say climb the mountain. He gives you the equipment to then do the task. So that anointing removes the obstacles. That's why when you see someone who's called to do a difficult thing, but they're called to do it, it they make it look easy. Yeah. And I always think of that with someone who's who's an expert uh, or who's very skillful. People who know painting is difficult because they've attempted it. Not just someone who just sees, oh, that's such a nice painting. But people who, who endeavor to paint know how difficult it is yeah and I can't tell you how many times they tell me you make it look so easy and that's such a great compliment but I don't think when when they say that I go to well that's because not because I'm special but everybody is special but that's because I found what my at least part of what my calling is sure same thing with teaching um, there's this grace to, to teach. And so it's not that it's easy, but it's that there is an ease. There's a, there's an assistance. There's like this, a, there's like this extra thing about it that removes obstacles right. out of the way. And that's God. And so I, you know, I, I, I don't want it to seem weird like all oh, this kind of <laughs> anointing, you know, some special person 
anointed my head. You know, it, it's not that. It's it's for everybody. It's it's yeah. it's God's ability through us if we rely on it. Yeah. Well, and I think you were saying also like uh, as we're driving down the road here too. By the way, Daniel's he continues to uh, squint, squint, and and use his hands to crop out scenes that would make for nice paintings. Um, too bad Montana really is hard to find any good so unattractive <laughs> yeah um, but I think you were also saying like what clicked in my head is like the idea of oil in a machine helps yeah. to uh, reduce friction right it yeah. causes or allows for ease and you, you know you I mean you can just imagine uh or, or think of like you know the kids. It's summertime right now, so you think of like the various ways that kids and, and some adults cool off, and they get out those long strips of plastic. Oh yeah, the slip and, and slides. they you know imagine this long strip of plastic in the middle of summer with nothing on it, and you're gonna slide. <laughs> you're gonna run as fast as you can and slide down this plastic. Well, even if you were producing an inordinate amount of sweat, yeah, there's no way. I mean, you're just going to, it's going to catch and you're not going very far. Right. Now you put water on it. You can go further. Now imagine putting oil on it. Yeah. And sometimes they'll put, you know, soap or something. But imagine this addition. What, what, what occurs? Well, the friction is so reduced that it, it with minimal effort, you can make movement and so uh you know it's it's all of these things and that's the wonderful thing about the 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 bible and this is why i I just love it so um it's like it's like an onion it has all these layers to it just when you think you understand it you peel off a layer it's not just linear and so you really, it's all of these things all, all at once, but it reduces friction. How does that apply to, to us? Well, I, I notice people who are doing things that they're really not, it's not necessarily something God has authored for their lives as, the, as an individual. And they fight the thing that maybe, if they're, if they're Christian and they're trying to follow God's plan for their life, they fight the thing that they know is something they're called to do because they think someone something else will be better. They think they want this other thing and when they go after it, it just it's there's friction. Yeah. There's not an ease about it. It doesn't just it, obstacles aren't removed, so their path is blocked and um, it's it's they have a hard time. And when you find that thing that just, you know, this is part of your purpose, there's just, it doesn't matter how difficult it gets. There's that reduction of friction um, in your life because you just, you have that grace upon you to, to do it. So one of the things that, you know, that I thought talking with you, I, I really love all that. At the same point, I was like, well, I wish that I would have had you know, somebody who could have said like, Tyler, this is what I believe you're anointed to do at kind of an early age, you know, but there have been, you know, some things like that, that I hold on to 
um, that dry, that help help me in times where um, when it gets hard, help me to persist. Sure. Um, but what I, my question to you, like a month ago, was well, how do I kind of find that? And do you kind of remember what things you said then? I don't. No, I don't, but we'll see if I answered sure. it now if it would be the same. Yeah. Um, the f- number one pursuit, I believe, um, should be to know God, to know your Father. Um, and I feel that in that pursuit, you know, it's like approaching a light. And the closer you get to the light, the more you're able to see. Yeah. So, the the more you pursue that connection to to him, the more not just of who you you won't just see him. You'll start to see you, mm-hmm. because you know he's reflected in you. You're reflected in him. So looking at him, you'll begin to see who you really are. And so that should be the number one pursuit. And then I think what I told you was just about learning to follow, um, you know, just learning to follow him. I I believe he'll speak to you, you know, like that he'll, he'll reveal a plan a little at a time usually not the whole thing yeah it's it because then that wouldn't require any faith yeah um maybe not audibly or and prob- most likely not audibly yeah. i don't believe that that's the way it's supposed to work but it should be you making a, a sincere effort to hear mm-hmm. a sincere effort to listen and to follow and then you not being particular to how you get the message Right. It's not up to you. You're not big enough. Uh, so having no preference in how how the answer comes, yeah. but just be searching, Belie- believing be- that it yes. will come to exactly. Yeah, and so I've gotten, you know, I've I've seen things, of course, you know, in the scripture. Maybe uh, something stands out to me, or I hear a sermon and and. You know, the the minister says says something, and it's like my heart skips a beat. Yeah, and I know, oh, that's an answer for me. Something on the inside responded. Yeah. So I've learned to be sensitive to that. I think the more sensitive you could be to that inner man, yeah, and what he responds to, because that's the real you. The more you learn to res- to respond to that response, um, the more likely you're going to end up on the right path. It is amazing when I, whenever I have responded to that response, the, like you're saying, the ease. Yes. At, even though it might be something very hard. Right. It's still like, well, this is what I got to do. Like, right. I will like overcome any obstacle right. basically right. To, to do this thing because I've been feel that I've really have been called to do, right. to do this thing. Right. And um, I love in one of the stories you told me of recent, like we don't have to say specifically what the story was about, but you just said that basically that though you were sitting down when somebody said 
started to talk about something, you stood up inside. Yeah, that's kind of the only way I can describe how, it, at least it's that kind of, I'm, I'm glad that it works that way for me because it, it's like, oh, it's so obvious Yeah, for me. Um, yeah. But when I say that like my heart, my inside responds, it's like I stand up on the inside. There's just that sense where an answer comes and it might be an unlikely source because I have no preference, you know. I'm not trying to dictate to God how he should deliver the answer to me. Yeah. I just pose the question, I seek him for an answer and then the answer comes. But sometimes it comes in an unlikely way. Maybe I just see, you know, see an article somewhere um, or someone in conversation says something and we're not even talking, we're not necessarily talking about spiritual things or biblical things. And there have been times where I've told you where I'm like sitting, there was one instance I was sitting on the floor just having a conversation with a friend. We weren't talking about spiritual things, we were talking about business. But there was an answer that he said unknowingly to him, I'm sure, that my heart just, it's like I was sitting on the floor, but my heart was stood up. Yeah. And so while talking to him, I didn't let him know because he's not, he's not a believer. But just, uh, while I'm talking to him, I, I took note like, um, (laughs) all right, I just stood up on the inside. So what's that? Yeah. So I, I linked it to what was just, you know, being said at that time. And then I followed it. It was, see, it's not enough that I get that. Yeah. It's really not enough that you get an answer. I think sometimes answers don't come because we never did anything with the last one. Oh, yeah. If you're not hearing answers, it could be you need to go back to whatever the last one was and do that. Mm. Because you ignored it. And what makes you... I mean, we're kind of arrogant. We're way more prideful and arrogant than we think. Right. And, uh, you know, how full of pride are we that we dismiss an answer (laughs) because we, you know, we we think little of it or we don't agree with it. And then we're going to go to God for another answer. Right. That's a pretty arrogant person, in my opinion. Yeah. And so perhaps the thing to do is go back. What was the last thing you heard that you knew was an answer? Right. What was the last instruction you got from God, from the Bible? Maybe you read a scripture that talked about forgiving somebody. And you you knew that mm. was something you were supposed to do. And then you walk away from it. Well, don't expect to hear. I don't, you know, I don't think you have right to expect another answer. I think the only answer you're going to get is that last one that you got (laughs) until you respond. Mm. So much of, because we're free will agents, our whole, I, I believe success or failure where God is concerned and what he's made available and what he can do for us is so dependent on our willingness to respond. The whole, all the Bible, all, every story, every account is about someone responding. Yeah. And the negative ones are about someone not <laughs> responding. Yeah. So, um, when that happened, like the instance of me standing up on the inside, 
it wasn't enough that I recognized that. It was the first step that I recognized it. But the second thing, or the next thing to do is I have to do something about this. I then need to respond to that inner responding. Okay, and that that maybe takes us into maybe the idea of faith or some thoughts on faith. So the other day we went inner tubing and one of the things that you said to me that I liked that I don't know that I heard you said or um, heard anybody say before um, is that grace sets the table and faith reaches out and and takes and accepts what's given. Yeah. Yeah, because people are wanting... This is why I'm very... I'm always listening to language. I, I, I feel that because the universe was created by words, that language is extremely important. And so like a, a you know, it's, it's like a lawyer. I always tell people when they're signing a contract or they're working, I'm like, read the whole thing and have a lawyer look at it because the whole, the lawyer's entire career is based on recognizing and using language and it could be one thing off and it it totally would work to your advantage or disadvantage Mm -hmm. and so um, people who are asking and not receiving the book of James says you have not because you ask not which everyone kind of seems to like oh yeah that's exactly what's happening but wait there's another part to that verse or you ask and you still have not because you ask amiss. I believe one of the primary ways we ask amiss is asking for something that God has already done. Asking for something that has already been provided would be like you're, you go to mom's house, she's cooked dinner, and you're telling her how hungry you are. And you're asking her to feed you. And she says, sweetie, I've, I've set the table. Yeah. I've cooked a meal. It's there. Yeah. And you're still asking, God, please take this away. I hear that language. I really... Uh, just <laughs> like my spirit man stands up when I hear something that I know is, is from God, my I kind of cringe when I hear something that's not quite <laughs> right. It's asking amiss. Yeah. I take note of that. Because stop asking God. It'd be like, God, please save me. God, please, please save me. He sent, he's not sending Jesus again. Right. He already did it. Grace drove God to send his only son to be the ultimate sacrifice for sin for all time. Right. Never again is he going to respond to the asking of someone, please save me other than in faith believing that 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 sort of receiving what maybe they're asking God to save them but it's it's already been provided they're asking activates what God what or what grace has already provided it's not like so God has done everything he's done all that he needs to do uh, he set this table faith gets up and goes and sits at the table and we all we all understand that when it comes to if you believe that you're Jesus said you must be born again if you believe that you're born again how do you get born again 
what does the scripture say? How, how does a how's a, how does a person be born again? You enter back into the womb. Yeah, 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 Nicodemus. No, uh, the book of Romans says that you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. Right. That God raised Jesus from the dead. Right. You're not born again by Jesus having to do anything else or God having to do anything else. He already did it. Right. How does it be activated in you? You believe in your heart, confess with your mouth. Well, that's faith. Faith is believing in your heart and confessing with your mouth. That's what the that's what Jesus said in Mark eleven. One of the other uh, ways that you've talked about grace that has been on my mind a lot too is kind of like that it's a blueprint mm-hmm. or a plan. That's hope. Hope. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Hope. So, and then as I've been getting um, into NT Wright's work. Um, I guess I've linked that to his emphasis on what happened on Easter morning, that that is so integral to what Christian hope is, and that that is what differentiates basically basically Christian hope from everything else. So if we're talking about a blueprint, the blueprint is that what happened to Christ on Easter morning, that he was risen bodily from the dead, will is just the first, is like the unveiling of the blueprint to us, and that hope is hope, I guess hope or faith maybe is the remembering back to well, that. Well, so sorry to interrupt you. Oh, that's just maybe that's the way I've been thinking of it in my mind is like I don't know, maybe it's, I don't know if it's hope or faith, but or the, the, the hope is remembering back to what happened there and going, it, it will, um, that that's just the start. And that because of that, then faith is the working out of kind of this plan that's taking my part and Christians taking their part in um, the launching of the kingdom of God. Well, which, and and maybe just to put it into it, just another example that I think I said this on the podcast on a previous episode. It's like a coach at halftime presenting a plan for the next half and saying, "All right, guys, here's what we're doing in this second half." Mm-hmm. That's kind of the hope that's laid out before them, and then the faith is getting on the court and actually implementing that mm-hmm. plan. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think that's a good analogy. It's interesting, though. So this might be... Well, this is interesting. Okay. Uh, Go for it. So hope always looks to the future. Mm-hmm. Hope is always about the future. Even if it's looking to the past as an example, it's so that that would one day be right. again. Right. Okay. Faith is only ever right now. So that means past or future faith acts as though it is even if it was or it's to be faith just acts as though it is now uh so paul talks about we died with christ mm-hmm. and we ra- we were raised from the dead that's pretty radical faith it 
faith believes beyond time. Faith oh, okay. disregards time. Yeah. So it it acts as though the hope already is. And whether that, you know, applies to anything you, you know, you okay. said, like as far as what you're working out yeah. or not, this is just to introduce this really interesting radical concept that was brought to mind by what you said, how Paul, I forget in which book I'll have to look it up, but it says we, we, we died with Christ, we were buried with Christ, and uh, we've been raised again. <laughs> As, and it's not saying metaphorically. It's not saying, you know, just it, it's saying it, it's it's saying we are now seated with Christ in heavenly places, as though we were already in heaven. Yeah, it's really it, that's what it's showing you how to live. You're to live as though that has already occurred. Yeah, you are to live with that kind of understanding and that kind of responsibility, that kind of authority. Um, and so it, it's pretty radical. It, you know, <laughs> it changes, it really changes. Uh, um, oh, hey, it's another car like mine. I haven't run into that in Montana. Uh, it really, it's, it's kind of, that's, it gets a little deep with that concept. And that's, that's why I love Paul. I think he was pretty radical. Yeah. Well, one of the, um, I guess, things that maybe we've been talking about also is, like, we were, just before recording, I was saying, you know, um, we were talking about doubting our doubts, and um, maybe for the first time, like, giving Christianity a, a fair shake, um, and it, one of the parts in Chesterton that just really hit me in the gut sometime in the last year when I read it in the everlasting man it's just right at the beginning where he says the the best um, judge of Christianity is essentially what he says is the best judge of Christianity is the sincere um, the sincere Christian who is seeking after God's God's heart his ways his will the next best judge would be somebody can look at it objectively who's maybe hasn't hasn't um, grown up in the faith but so somebody maybe like a Confucius monk who can uh, just look objectively at it and then he says but the worst critic of all is the ill-educated Christian slowly turning into the ill-tempered agnostic who is engaged in the end of an argument of which he never understood the beginning who has grown tired of hearing that which he never heard. And, um, anyways, that's kind of been my... Something that has... That punched me in the gut and, uh, has... Has... Would you say that's me been a turning point? Like, not, like that concept? Yeah. Personally? Yeah, and, and has caused me to go, well, wait a minute, what... What is this whole thing about? What do do I really understand what Christianity is? And I've found that it's like kind of stranger than I um, maybe had in my head. Um, and 
and just that there's the part of the hope part of it I think is is very appealing to me um, and then the uh, I don't know I'm, I'm on hope board. is a hope is a very powerful thing yeah because even the destitute and seemingly hopeless still have some kind of hope otherwise they wouldn't they wouldn't do anything you wouldn't you wouldn't eat another meal yeah you hope that thing even as bad as it is you hope that, that it's going to improve yeah. or you hope that it won't at least wouldn't get worse hope is um it is a force that keeps things going I mean it's an important it plays a very important role yeah in just in human existence yeah and so you know hope and faith um I like what you said, you know, quoting Chesterton, because don't dismiss something that you don't understand. Right. At least just admit you don't understand it before right. you become so arrogantly dismissive of it. Because everybody, like I just said, everybody has and lives by some kind of hope. And everybody uses faith. Yeah. Even those that claim they're, they're totally empirical... You know, they just can't, they can't do that. Of course you can. You do it every day. You, you trust that something you've never done before would work or you've never seen before. You trust in things you've never seen with your physical eyes. If your friend says, I'm going to pick you up at 12 a.m., you know, or, or 12 p.m. tomorrow for, for lunch and we're going to go to this restaurant, you, at 11 o'clock, start doing your hair, getting dressed, yep. or if you're like Tyler... 1155 <laughs> right you why you you don't just like your friend gets there like oh my gosh you you came and picked me up I guess I better go get ready you don't wait to get ready because you, you wait for the proof that your friend is going to be there right do you no you you start getting ready even if it's, even if it's the first time mm-hmm. you know it's never occurred before even if it's never occurred before you just Go on, go in good faith that this is going, you know. So everybody deals with faith to, on some level or some degree. We just choose to to make it part of our, our lifestyle. We're just not denying it. Right. You know, or denying that it has an effect in, in our lives. So hope is, is I believe, a, a very necessary thing for human survival. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess just... Um digging into more what Christianity has their claims as its hope as opposed to um, maybe what other philosophies and religions um, set up as their hope a lot of them actually are pretty hopeless yeah like, right. right it's, it's more about uh, no give up desire right <laughs> or you know give up hope ma- make do with yeah learn how to resign yourself to your circumstances and then you won't need hope or something. I don't know. Um, um, I don't know. That's just not that appealing to me <laughs> anymore. So, um, all right. Well, I think that's pretty good for, for this episode. And Lenny, can't wait to have you record again with you next week. And, uh, also, 
you as well, Jaxie, and hope everybody out there listening is doing well, and be good to yourselves.